Time for this week's edition of the Source Weekly Update. Hot off the press and into your ear. Every week, found wherever you get audio. And now, let's take a look at some of the highlights from this week's Source Weekly, Volume 25, Issue 50, dated December 12th. From our news desk, if you build it, will they come? As in-migration continues, transportation bond measures may ease traffic congestion and make travel safer for bikes and pedestrians. By Laurel Bronze. Public outcry about traffic congestion and unsafe walking and biking conditions has the city of Bend's attention. As population growth continues to skyrocket, city leaders and citizen advisors are working on transportation solutions that will move Bend into the future. The city hasn't updated its transportation plan since 2001. Two years ago, with federal deadlines for the Bend Metropolitan Planning Organization's transportation plan fast approaching, the City Council selected 25 locals for the Citywide Transportation Advisory Committee to work with engineers, city staff, and a public relations firm to prioritize a list of 187 projects and programs. The committee was tasked with deciding on a plan that would carry the city through 2040, when Bend's population is projected to reach 143,000, according to Portland State University's Population Research Center. Next week, the city will start a phone poll asking people in Bend whether they would support a $190 million or $275 million bond for the committee's near-term project list. The smaller bond focuses on the most needed capacity improvements for roads and intersections, while also creating safer routes for cyclists, pedestrians, and people who use wheelchairs. The larger bond goes further in addressing safety and capacity for all modes of transportation, aimed at helping the city stay ahead of projected growth. There's no question that there's a big backlog of road projects and that now we're playing catch-up, said City Councilor Bruce Abernathy. It's not easy to ask citizens to pay for those, and I think it's confusing to people that we're asking for bond money because they're paying 21% of their property taxes to the city. But that goes to fire, police, affordable housing, and streets. And there's not much left for large infrastructure projects to squeeze out of the general fund. The system development charges only go so far. The city collects SDCs from developers when they build new homes, in order to fund all the necessary infrastructure required for the buildings, such as new streets, sewers, parks, and water. The bond is really paying for a lot of back projects, Abernathy said, things that need to be done soon and can't be funded any other way. Mayor Sally Russell chose two city council members, Gina Goodman-Campbell and Bill Mosley, and two CTAC members to put together the proposed bond packages, Kara Gustafson, a CTAC member, who is the Central Oregon Builders Association's lawyer, advocated for traffic congestion relief and better roads for development. Mike Riley, executive director of the Environmental Center, made the case for increased multimodal routes and money for public transit. While heated debates ensued on both sides during CTAC meetings, this smaller group worked quickly to come to consensus on the city's immediate priorities. After the results come in from the phone survey in the next few weeks, the City Council will vote on whether to put the bond on the May 19th ballot. Next up, Growing Pains Theater Edition. Artists struggle to find affordable performance space in Bend. 
by Kayla Clark. For years, Second Street was home to local artists, performers, and like-minded theater people. When it shut down in 2018, many artists were displaced. Now, those who want to put on original shows are scrambling to find affordable, adequate venues. Cascade's theatrical company usually charges $700 a night for rentals, and the Tower Theater charges $1,300 a night plus 8% of gross ticket sales. Not only are these costs extremely high for small-scale independent production companies, but both venues are booked through, well, the end of time, into the spring-summer of 2020 at least. Eagle Mountain Event Center has become a somewhat viable option, though it is only realistic for most if a show gets ample financial backing. As demand increases, cost increases. Catherine Gallon, a member of the local theater community, understands the dilemma. We're out of step with what we need, she said. It's ridiculous. We have an arts council that doesn't exist. It's defunct. We need a city effort, a county effort, developers. We need to catch up. Newport has a huge art center. They've got 10,000 residents compared to our 100,000. Newport, Oregon, with a population of 10,592, to Ben's 94,520 in 2017, as reported by the U.S. Census Bureau, is home to the Newport Performing Arts Center, complete with a 328-seat proscenium and an 80-seat black box theater. Redding, California, population 91,794 in 2017, has a plethora of options, including the Riverfront Playhouse, the Cascade Theater, the Reading Theater Company, and more. In Bend, artists have turned to performing in restaurants and bars, like the Capitol and Craft Kitchen and Brewery. These spaces tend to be affordable, though they lack necessary production components, such as adequate lighting systems, sound systems, and so on. And finally, Oregon's Tree Dilemma. Statewide Christmas tree shortage leads to hiked-up prices by Kayla Clark. Since 2012, Oregon has been the top national supplier of Christmas trees, with over 6.4 million trees produced in that year alone, as reported by the Pacific Northwest Christmas Tree Association. Currently, the state boasts 383 licensed growers producing about 4.7 million trees per year, raking in $120.6 million annually. Nowadays, though, Christmas tree farmers are taking a major blow. Chaw Langren, a Christmas tree specialist with Oregon State University Extension Service, has been raising trees on his small family farm since 1982. In a recent interview with Oregon Live, he explained that a decade-old sapling shortage is contributing to a current shortage of holiday trees. The average Christmas tree takes between 7 and 10 years to fully mature. Farms throughout central Oregon are full of trees that are simply too short to sell. Additionally, abnormally dry and hot summers in 2017 and 2018 killed off a great number of young trees. Reallocation of farmland is also a factor. During the recession a decade ago, a great number of tree farms went out of business. There are roughly 200 fewer growers than there were 15 years ago. And land that was once designated for Yule tree growth is now allocated to less labor-intensive crops. The statewide shortage, as supply and demand tends to go, has led to significantly increased cost. The National Christmas Tree Association stated that whereas the average tree cost was $36.50 in 2008, it skyrocketed to $78 a little over a decade later. Last year's trees went for roughly $3 less than they are currently. 
so that Oregonians can keep their traditions alive while avoiding hiked-up tree prices, the Deschutes National Forest offers permits, allowing people to cut down their own trees for $5 apiece, up to five permits per household. Cutting down a tree actually contributes to forest restoration. Pete Caligiuri with The Nature Conservancy and Sarah Mowry with the Deschutes Land Trust explained in an article written for the Deschutes Collaborative Forest Project. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Source Weekly Podcast. Be sure to pick up your free copy of the Source Weekly wherever you find yourself in Central Oregon or log on to our website, bensource.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Sam Scholl.